Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover Stories. We took a couple months off there, the beginning of Corona season. Uh, we're all safe, we're all fine, and we are slowly but safely getting new episodes finished. We've got two new videos on YouTube currently featuring Tony Romero doing Radiohead covers that are fantastic. I'll put links to those in the description, or you can go on YouTube and just search Cover Stories Podcast. Uh, if you're not already, it would be great if you could subscribe on YouTube as well as your favorite podcast app. Give us some ratings, reviews, likes, all those things. In addition to those videos, we've also got new episodes coming out. Ta-da! That's why I'm here, recording an intro. In addition to those new episodes, we're also doing original songs from the artists, which won't be part of the episodes themselves, but the videos of the performances will be on YouTube, so there's another reason to keep up with that and subscribe. But this week, we've got Sage Motel covering Things I Can't Change by The Story So Far. So let's get into it. All right, welcome back to Cover Stories. Uh, today, we have the guys from Sage Motel covering... Uh, the story so far is things I can't change. Uh, we've got Slater. Hey, my name is Slater. And we've got Dom. Hey, what's up? My name's Dom. Thank you guys for being on. This thanks is really for, cool. Thanks for having us, man. Oh, yeah. for sure. Um, this is the, the first episode after a break. This is the first one we've done after the Rona. Uh, or <laughs> Rona the Rona's still going on, but yeah. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we really appreciate you guys coming out and, and doing a really cool song. Um, so let's just cut to the chase. Why, why this song? Well, um... I love the story so far. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like, I love them a lot. Um, they're one of the first bands that got me into, like, pop punk. Um, usually it's, like, you know, you hear, like, Blink-182 and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I've, I'd heard that stuff before, too, but this was one of the first bands that it really was, like, whoa, I want to do something like that. And got me, like, really stoked. And, yeah, man, I just, I love them. I've seen them, like, three times. Uh, I want to see them more. But, uh, yeah, I love them, dude. <laughs> and then uh, I chose the story so far just because... It brings me back to like a time where I was a little bit younger and just like it, it was almost like that record was like like almost a summer for me. It was kind of like a soundtrack almost to like my life at the time when I first like started listening to it. So and I still listen to it like frequently and now it's just kind of like nostalgic. Yeah. And uh, but I love all the music, the instrumentation, the lyrics, the vocals. They do a lot of things that I didn't think you could do in a studio or live. And then they just, I think they're super unique and they write really powerful songs for sure. Yeah, I think it's cool that there's these different eras of pop punk uh, that, that come up. I mean, I, I kind of grew up on like Blink-182 and Green Day and then that was right before like Third Wave Emo came out. Yeah. And you feel like story, bands like Story So Far and like the Run For Cover guys, like, you know, you get like Citizen, you've got uh, Title Fight, it's not Run For Cover, but all these kinds of bands kind of evolved from that sound and it's, it's so interesting to see, like, you guys are feeling the same emotions I felt 10, 15 years ago, yeah. you know, with this new kind of sound. This is your sound. It's like an evolution. I think it's really cool just to see that kind of evolution. Um, at the same time, it, you, you hear a lot of, like, the influences. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I was listening to an interview with Will, the guitarist, and he said that Set Your Goals got him into going to shows. Oh, yeah. And you hear bands like that, and there's bands like like Lifetime from the late 90s, and you hear that driving, just kind of driving drums and, like, the, the fast guitar chords, and you hear a lot of influence in story so far, but they've kind of taken it and made it their own. Absolutely. It's really cool. Uh, what are, what are bands or what, what do y'all remember the first time y'all listened to story so far or, or this song? Yeah. Um, 
when uh, so I was in a band called Across the Atlantic, and uh, we got to tour and do some stuff. And this album came out around that time, so that was like what I was jamming like on the road and just uh, traveling different places, and that was like on repeat all the oh, time, yeah. like this whole album. So it really has like I have a lot of memories of just meeting a lot of people, having a lot of fun, being with my friends, and just jamming out, ripping some gigs, you know. So uh, yeah, it's like super like sentimental, you know. And uh, I took a lot of influence from the vocals, the vocal style specifically, because um, he just has like this very spitfire, very in your face, like uh, the way he, you know, does everything. And I love that, man. It's like he's doing bars almost. Yeah. Like, he's like hesitates and yeah. Yeah. I love that stuff, man. Like his rhythm is just, it's something else. It really like opened my mind to how I could write lyrics and how I could incorporate that in my own sound. And, so. he, and he's definitely, a, I've heard him say this in like other interviews, he's really into hip hop music. And just like real, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I don't want to use the term like aggressive, but more, I don't know, visceral, like hard hitting, hard hitting hip hop for sure. You can hear that too. I mean, they're from the Bay Area and Bay Area's got, I mean, that's where Hyphy was born, you know? Yeah, so yeah. so it's, it's cool to like hear these things and like when you hear them talk about it or you hear people mention it, it's like, oh, you look back like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, I think it's really cool. Uh, what was the first time you, I mean, you know, you're talking about a few years ago, you listened to them. Yeah. I stumbled across them on YouTube, I believe. And actually, no, I take that back. I was dating a chick at a time and we always went for like drives and stuff like that because she was older than me and like she was like 21 and I was 17. So we couldn't like go out to bars together, yeah. like nothing like that, obviously. So we would go out and like, you know, we'd drive around and she had like uh, Spotify and I heard one of their songs and I was like, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I didn't really think anything of it. And then I saw them, like, on YouTube, kind of, like, it was suggested or for whatever, for, like, what I was listening to. And so I clicked on a video, and it was a live performance. And it was in 2012. It was, like, early 2012, January. And they were playing uh, Rome and States and Mines, I believe is what it's called. And it was just so bonkers because i was like there's like 500 people in this super small venue and they're running on stage like with them they're running between like guitar cables and like everyone's screaming like the lyrics like at the top of their lungs and the energy was just real like people hanging off the ceilings and stuff like that and it was very and it was very like i was like this is what i want to do yeah i was like i've seen shows where it's like bands are playing to like 250,000 people like oasis at nebworth and stuff like that and i was like that seems more exciting because it's just right there. It's more intimate. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. 110%. That's that's how I always feel going to shows. I mean, I'm old now, so like going to shows is, is a hassle. <laughs> and uh, it, just being around a crowd that's into it. Um, I went, I was dating a girl who was like five years younger than me a few years ago. We went to go see Get Up Kids. And everyone there was in their 30s. <laughs> myself, I was late 20s at that time. But she said she realized everyone is old because after the first song everyone is like their hands on their knees just like yeah. hold on hold on <laughs> but it's cool it's cool that you can you know you see this generation to generation and my favorite bands are the ones that made me want to start a band I think those are the best bands in, in my like you know in all the bands that I like all the music I like those are my favorite bands yeah and one thing that I also thought was really interesting their lyrics they were very uh, personal and they were very like specific Another band that is like that, in my opinion, is like the 1975. Uh -huh. I don't know about much of their new stuff, but when I was younger, like 14, 15, I remember their lyrics were very like, they took phrases and words from like people in conversation that they would have. And I thought that th I was like, you can do that. Like, I don't <laughs> think you can even really do that. 
And so they did. And then the story f- so far also c- kind of does the same thing lyrically. But it was just a little bit more intriguing to me because it was a sound that sounded really huge and really fast and really, like, angsty. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. it was really cool. I, I didn't realize. I knew they were popular, but I was looking up, and this album that Things I Can't Change is on went number 46 on the Billboard. Top 200. Dang. Yeah, top 200. Oh, and that's, that's awesome. like, from what it looks like, I think that's the regular pop charts. That's not, like, alternative rock charts. No. Um, wow. That blew my mind. Like, I knew they, like, toured in Japan and stuff like that, but I think I kind of missed the boat on them. I think when, uh, when I got... Because I, I lived in Austin for a little while, and I got back. That's when I realized, like, pop punk was still around. And mm-hmm. I think I got into that, some of the Run For Cover. And my friends were really into, like, Story So Far and, like, uh, Knuckle Puck and yep. bands yeah. like that. And the Warped Tour bands, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, I, I didn't realize, like, how big they were. Uh, I was listening to an interview. I think same guy with, with Will, the guitarist. And he was talking about he met this girl from England. And she like put two together, realized she was he was in this band because she went to go get some shoes, and she was wearing a shirt of a band. And she's like, "Oh, you're you're from San Francisco." The guy from England was like, "Oh, it's the, my favorite band's from there." Story so far, just when she realized, like, "Oh shit!" Like they're pretty big. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. cool. It's awesome to see that kind of uh, you know effect, the ripple effect, and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so the band got their name from a newfound glory song. Uh, are y'all guys in newfound glory at all? Uh, me personally, I couldn't get into them. Yeah, I tried, couldn't do it. I like a lot of their songs, like the the classics, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, but I didn't get like super deep into it. Uh, that's one of the bands that I haven't like. There's a lot of bands where I just like I haven't sat down and just gone through yeah. the whole thing, you know. So yeah, I know some of their stuff. They didn't like All Time Low get their name from a newfound glory song. Head on collision, I think. That was yeah. in my research. I'm I'm not into All Time Low. I just know that. <laughs> uh, um, but no, it, it's it's funny because newfound glory really helped them out a lot. Uh, Steve Klein. The disgraced guitarist from Newfound Glory, he got caught with some stuff he wasn't supposed to be caught with. Uh, but he produced this album with oh, Sam really? Pura, yeah. And uh, Jordan, the singer Newfound Glory, did the artwork for the album. Yeah, I heard about that. That's and then cool. Cyrus, the drummer, did the layout for the album. And there's oh, wow. all these like cool little things that I mean, they're from Florida, and you know, sorts of ours from San Francisco. So to see that kind of connection, I've listened to a lot of like. Uh, old like you know punk podcasts and the florida scene was nuts i mean everyone like you had newfound glory dashboard confessional um bands like uh just folk band despite the pipe bomb they're all like from the I same scene remember. oh yeah that's right yeah uh, they're a little bit later though oh yeah mm-hmm. that's true but it's just so crazy that like there are all these different types of bands coming up together and they all are kind of rooted in this kind of hardcore sound even though it's not necessarily hardcore mm-hmm that's one thing that's interesting about story so far is that the music, music musicality of it is very hardcore driven, even mm-hmm. though it's a lot more elaborate, a lot more melodic. Yeah, the yeah the drums, yeah. The drums and guitars are very. Uh, dude, the drums are crazy. Yeah, dude. the drums are. I don't know how. It's, it's, even, it's pretty cool. Is, I know uh, the singer. He has like a. Wait, I don't know if he still does it, but uh, it was like Snarl. It was like his side project. Oh yeah, and it was like a hardcore band, and to see him perform like that was just super cool because it the same vibe as like the story so far. Like he has the same like attack, the same, like not really vocal style, but you know, I could see how he came from like hardcore background and stuff like that. It's nuts. Cause I mean, there's a lot of Jersey band. Like, I mentioned lifetime earlier, but like early saves a day sounds like, so it sounds like story so far is influenced by them, but I've never seen them mention saves a day or these, all these Jersey bands. And I mean, mm-hmm. even to the degree, there's a hardcore band snap case that they remind me of music, musically, sonically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's so interesting to see this kind of evolution happen over the past 20 years of, of these, these bands. Yeah. 
Um, what are what are some other kind of bands that you guys are into as far as maybe not this type same type of sound, but mm-hmm. that that you kind of bring to your band? Um, a lot of Citizen, uh, a lot of Citizen Title Fight too, uh, especially the new Title Fight stuff. Oh, dude, uh, Turnover, Turnover, yeah, dude, that's like the album uh, Peripheral Vision. Like when that came out, I didn't hear it right when it came out. One of my friends showed me them, and I was like, dude, what is this? And then uh, I, I forgot what song it was, but just the whole album front to back just like blew my mind because uh, I didn't know what they came from either. I had just listened to them uh, during Peripheral Vision. Um, then my friend's like, oh, check out their old stuff. And it's like, it's super pop punk and super cool. And then like when I saw this, I was like, whoa, dude, like this pop punk band just did. I mean, it's, I don't know what you would call it. I guess just like alternative or something. It's like, I hate to use a word, but like it's more mature almost. Yeah, like it, yeah. it's it's kind of not droney, but just very like, like straightforward. You yeah. Know? Um, it's, it's funny cause like, you mentioned title fight and turnover. I think title fights, not the last one, but the one before it, I had a friend who was really into them and he was like, they kind of sound like turnover now. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I noticed a lot of bands were kind of going towards that direction, at least in that scene. Um, but, uh, and it's funny is that that's what influenced me to do a lot of the stuff I'm doing now. It's funny. The, the Sage Motel, it started off as a doo-wop band. Oh yeah. So yeah. I like can I, hear that in the older songs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was like, that's what I wanted to do. I was like so stoked on it. And, uh, I wanted it to be all doo-wop, but then, uh, I realized I didn't want to just like pigeonhole myself. Yeah. I didn't want to keep myself closed in. So I started getting, I was like, might as well just do what I like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I even want to do some like more hardcore influence stuff as well. Uh, but, uh, We'll see how that goes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like uh, stuff like we just released a song called Blur the Line uh, last month. And that one was just like compared to the last tracks, it was just like a super in your face. Like what happened? Like completely changed, you know. But uh, I think it's more of like a refined sound too, for sure. Yeah. I think I think that song Blur the Line was definitely like a transition as far as like write, like writing skills and stuff like that go. Whenever we first played that song, that was what we, that's that's probably my favorite song to play live. It's just the way we play it live. You bring like, and it's kind of different than even like the studio. Like from what I've heard from the studio, but when we play it live, it's really like, it's heavy. Yeah, and it moves for sure. But uh, as far as some of the bands that I'm into personally, uh, my favorite band probably like right now and probably gonna be of all time is the Main, and just because. They're super talented musicians. Their songwriting is like on another level. I think their songwriting is like their tier should be, they should be a bigger band than like what they are because just how they structure everything, they give space and like the instrumentals for like the song to breathe and the vocals, he crushes it with all his vocals and they don't really, they don't leave anything off the table when they're in the studio. They're always doing and trying like new things and everything sounds different. And uh, they're really catchy songs as well, but they're still kind of like intricate too. So they don't sound like every other song that maybe you can listen to. Like, I think that sometimes, you know, you can listen to like Knuckle Puck and the story so far, and maybe you can get the, the bands confused, sort of. Yeah, it's a little derivative. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, their sounds real abrasive. And with the main, I feel like their sounds a little bit more distinct because they pull from every genre whether it's like hip hop, they have some songs that they're using like hard auto and like T-Pain level stuff. And then they also have like a lot of country influence. And then they have like pop top 40 kind of stuff as well. And then they also have like their emo background. And so they just do a mesh of like everything and it comes out really well. And then, um, another band that really influenced me to play guitar was Kings of Leon. Oh yeah. 
and even their early stuff i don't think that they were like the best when they started off like musicianship wise but now that like my favorite record by them is probably going to be come around sundown which was their follow-up to their really big one yeah uh only by the night which had like sex on fire use somebody but that record just like all in all it was really good and then uh i like joji i love oasis I love, I like The Who, and then there's also one band. You mentioned Jersey bands before, uh, Can't Swim. Oh, yeah. They're like kind of like, I don't want to say they're newer, but I don't think they started until like maybe like 2013. Yeah. So that's a little bit late in the game. I always forget about them because they sound like they're from the mid-2000s. They don't sound like they're... yeah. They kind of have like that switch foot vibe or something (laughs) like that. I don't want to say switch foot, but they have... I don't, their songs are like catchy, but they're very, I don't know. They kind of have that, I don't know how to even describe it. They remind me of uh, Deja and Tindu era Brand New a little bit. Yeah. Right? yeah and yeah. it's nice because I'm trying to forget Brand New because of everything happening. Yeah, and it's yes. nice that there's bands that sound like that, that I can listen to and not get uh, canceled for. Um. <laughs> I, but funny that you mentioned it. I, I think that Deja and Tindu is probably like one of the greatest records like ever it's probably it has to be in like my top five it's it's really good it definitely took into another level um despite all the bad stuff and you listen to the lyrics just the music yeah, yeah. yeah the music and that's just so interesting about it because that's you can tell that like they're all smiths fans and morrissey fans not in just from the lyrics just from like how they sound and like yeah it's it's i mean that's when that's where the whole like emo is sad music kind of started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like with bands like uh, The Cure, yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, for and, sure. And then uh, I I really like there's this one guy. He's kind of like a solo artist now, but he goes by Panama. Uh-huh. And that guy like he released an EP and it's called Hope for Something, and that EP is just like so good. It, it blows my mind how it's not like on the radio everywhere. Because the songs are incredibly catchy. Like, it has everything that you would expect to hear, but I just think it's a weird time we live in because everything you hear on the radio, it's going to be, it's like, it's either like Taylor Swift or it's going to be like Nicki Minaj or like Cardi B and stuff like that, which is cool and all, but it's kind of, I feel like that stuff, it's, it has a lot of color coming through the speakers and it's like fun to listen to and it's like real upbeat. But as far as, like, musicianship comes and everything like that and having it be real music, it kind of, like, teeters the line a little bit. I don't know. It's it's kind of a, a seesaw because, like, I mean, I don't want to say the radio is irrelevant now, but it's you can get your music out there so many different ways now where you don't need the radio anymore and still have. I mean, source of far as I don't, I mean, other than probably K-Rock, I don't know if they've ever been on the radio and they're touring in Japan and yeah. Europe and stuff like that. And uh, with a lot of pop music, I mean... I, there is obviously a lot of cookie cutter aspects to it, but then there's a lot of people who just know how to write pop songs. I mean, yeah. you see guys like John Feldman from Goldfinger put that kind of pop song, and a lot of people criticize him for it, but it's a lot harder than it didn't looks, you yeah. know? Have it's you like ever, an art to it. Have you ever listened to uh, Oliver Tree? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That <laughs> That's <laughs> some good stuff. Too. Like, he does like pop songs, but he, but it's his weird. stuff is, <laughs> it's, it's weird, but it's crazy and it's super cool. And I think it's unique and I have a lot of like admiration and respect for it because he's just putting himself out there and just doing something. Have you ever heard of uh, Adam and his package? No. He's kind of like Oliver Tree, but more like emo, like second wave emo oriented. 
He's fucking weird, but like <laughs> he kind of does like little MIDI beats and stuff like that. This was like in the late nineties, so it was oh, okay. a different time. But that's when I first saw Oliver Tree. I'm like, oh man, this guy reminds me so much of Adam <laughs> and his package. Um, you mentioned Kings Leon, and that's a band I always forget that yeah. I was really into, and yeah. I heard it on heard him on the radio a lot. I and mean, I lived in Austin at the time, so Sex and Fire was on every fucking hour, man. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> but I we learned to, I was in like a cover band. We learned to play, and it made me love that song. Oh yeah. And then I got into their earlier stuff. Uh, it was, it was a lot more stonerish, I guess. Is more. Yeah. I don't want to say punk rock, but they were a lot more like carefree and like charmer fucking rules. Man, that song is dope i was uh there's one song of theirs that's off their first record and it's called california waiting oh yeah and it's a single but that song like literally it i think like when i hear it it just like it puts a smile on my face yeah i don't know and it's weird because like if a song can do that like where it put like you're just like driving then you can you find yourself like like a big like cheesy yeah on your face. <laughs> this thing is the funniest thing ever and i think that goes to show how and it's a really simple song, and they were really young. And I think, like, their bass player was still in high school at the time. Oh, yeah. But, you know, during the summer, all these festivals in Europe, because they weren't big in America yet, um, they would go to these festivals, and they'd be playing on a bill, and they would have, like, you know, maybe, like, 50,000, 60,000 people, like, in front of them. And, like, everyone's, like, jumping to, like, the beat of, like, that kind of music that they're making, which is just crazy. Yeah. Because... It was like this band's huge, but they're just not huge where they're from. It's weird. They sound like a Britpop band. They kind of like they're, back they're, then. Yeah, the early mm-hmm. stuff for sure. They they remind me a lot of like Oasis is a little bit like harder stuff. Yeah, and then also there's like a like super uh, super. There's a band that's called Supergrass. They remind me of them a lot. Yeah, and uh, it kind of makes sense that they were really big over there because I didn't hear about them till their big single till a Sex on Fire came out. Yeah, I remember. I remember I, I was like eight years old and i was really because it came out in 2008 and they were really big at the time and their song you somebody was playing everywhere and my friend's mom who he's probably not listening to this but i thought his (laughs) friend's mom was like kind of hot or whatever (laughs) and she looked like angelina jolie and i remember telling her one day because she didn't really care like for me because I was like the new kid to the group. And I remember telling her one day, I was like, you look so much like Angelina Jolie. And she was just eating it up. She was totally enjoying it. And then she and then she was like, well, what kind of music do you like? And I was like, Green Day. I was like, best band ever. I was like, I only listen to Green Day. Get up from school, playing Green Day. It doesn't matter. And then she's like, well, Kings of Leon's like where it's at. And I was like, no, the band sucks. And I was just so insistent on it. But then eventually to like win her over, I couldn't play guitar yet. I had like a really shitty... Uh, beginner started guitar upstairs and I was listening to uh, and I started checking out Kings of Leon I was like well maybe if I learn a Kings of Leon song she'll like me better (laughs) (laughs) and and so I barely have any strings on this guitar and I hear a song and uh, I couldn't play Use Somebody just because the chords I couldn't play chords yet and then you need like that lead guitar fill and the vocals it's a really big song Yeah, but there was a song that they had called The Bucket and it's like it has an intro guitar riff and it's very like distinctive and it starts with guitar and then the drums and bass and everything kind of like kick in all at once. So I learned the intro guitar riff, barely. I don't want to even say use the word learn. <laughs> and then the next time I was going over to my buddy's house, I took that piece of shit Ivan's <laughs> guitar with me. And like the and the kids are like running around 
and like everything. And I was like, hey, I'm playing this song for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's an electric guitar, it's not an acoustic guitar. <laughs> so I walk up to her in the kitchen, I start trying to play it. She's like, I can't hear it. <laughs> but uh but it was like that it was like that instant trying to do something. I don't know, trying to like win someone over and and yeah, that's when I kind of like got the drive to start getting better at guitar. I was like, oh, well, she can't hear me. I was like, I'm going to get really good. <laughs> and so I started learning Green Day songs, and I would watch their music videos over and over. Like for Basket Case, he stands out, and he's really far in the background. And the camera's not close yet, but I see him where he starts doing that power chord. Like, yeah. And I was like, what's he doing with his hand shape or whatever? So I started like mimicking in it. I was like, he's doing this one, and it's kind of straight across, and like these are a little bit lower and whatnot. And so I just tried learning to do power chords like that. Damn it, by Blink-182 yeah. was another one where the guitar riff, and you see the guitar hands in the beginning, and I'm trying to figure out how to play it the way he's playing it. And I don't even know how to tune a guitar yet, yeah. so it doesn't even sound anything like it. And then uh, finally, once I started getting guitar lessons, after like a year of like persistence, my dad finally was like, oh, he could play guitar. He's like, I'm going to get him lessons. So I go get lessons, I get tuned up, and immediately... My guitar instructor, he was impressed because I can actually, like, strum chords and stuff like that. Once I figured out the shape, I could, like, strum and, like, transition, like, normally. So that was kind of cool. But, yeah, I mean, that's just how I got into guitar. And then it just became, like, real addictive. But, yeah. I've got a lot of musician friends, and I think that's the best, like, origin story of why I play guitar. <laughs> like, that's... Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. think anyone's got a better story. I, I, had, I, I had the hots for your mom. And then I, fucking, I was eight years old. I was like, I'm a player of a fucking song right now. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. I think that's going to be the, the sample we use to preview this. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. That, that has to be the one. And I've never told anyone that story either. Oh, man. That's awesome. What, what, what got you into playing music? Um, My dad. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. He he jammed in a band for like twenty years. Oh cool. Yeah, he was uh, this band called Shallow Grave. Um, they were big in like the White Rabbit scene and all that stuff, and uh, just really heavy metal. Very, uh, they would call it groove metal. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, very like new metal inspired, like uh, Slipknot. Um, they would even wear masks and stuff. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah, they were all into it, man. They were like super stoked about everything. Um, unfortunately, I never got to see him play, but uh, I have videos and stuff like that. But it's really cool. Um, but yeah, like just like him too, like I came from like new metal. My favorite band, the first band I ever learned to play a song from was uh, Mudvayne. Oh yeah? Yeah. Dig so, or? Yeah. Well, you, Dig and uh, World So Cold. Oh, okay. Because you started out as a bass player. Dig makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> London. I know that bass is crazy. He's a crazy <laughs> bass player, man. Like a lot of those songs are just so like intricate. And uh, I really liked how they just were kind of all over the place. Yeah. You know, very chaotic. And I don't know, I really dug that a lot <laughs> i feel like a lot of those bands get a bad rep because i mean yeah they were doing what was popular at the time but they a lot of them are really like their influences range mm -hmm. uh, we talked about i mean alien firms kind of on the cusp of that but they had so many different influences that they they get kind of grouped in with all these other new metal bands but i mean they were rocking like steely dan and like carly simon so yeah. that's, how, that's how slipknot even was oh yeah like before the full band form they were doing like jazz and oh yeah that and makes sense that's why they have like so that. many <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, and then the and then the, the band got bigger and then obviously you know they got heavy but a lot of like their soloing and stuff like that their music is more intricate it's more 
forget the term. I don't want to use the word like advanced. More technical. More technical. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And like bands like Blink One Eighty Two, Green Day, their music's not technical. The thing about Blink One Eighty Two is they write lullabies with distortion. Like mm-hmm. all their riffs are essentially lullabies. And um, the thing that I think Green Day gets away with is Billy Joe's a good songwriter. I think yeah. he's so underrated. I, I've gone back and forth on Green Day, and I've talked about this a lot. Like I loved Green Day as a as a kid, and then I got into punk rock. I'm like, now they sold out. <laughs> and then I started like learning music and i'm like oh like no this is easy but i mean this the lyrics are just so on another level than a lot of these other bands mm-hmm. he's he writes really powerful songs and they all have like really good arrangements yeah and that's something that i think is hard to do especially as a musician because i remember when i was in the studio because i write music myself and i track my own music and i do pretty much the instruments by myself so it sounds like a band but it's just me but one thing that i noticed i was doing was all my songs were like is there swearing in this or no? Yeah. It yeah. was like, all my songs were like fucking five minutes. <laughs> and I was like, this is not what I want to do. And, you know, Blink-182 songs are like three minutes, two and a yeah. half minutes. And I was like, I need to, I need to trim. I need to like figure out how to make this song a little bit more listenable. Sorry about that. That's and cool. then, um, or like radio friendly. And the reason why is because I was working out at the gym and this one lady, she was like a female bodybuilder. And I kind of had the hots for her too. And I was like, hey, you want to hear one of my songs? <laughs> that was like, I was trying to use that as like my in. And she was like, yeah, but like, I have to have like, I don't have the attention span to listen to like a four or five minute song. And she's like, unless it's like really, really good. And I was like, you know, this was like maybe a year ago, a year or two years ago. And I was like, huh, that makes sense. She's like, listen to all the songs on the radio. They're all. They're short, they're nice, they're sweet, Yeah, you know, move on. And then I was like, I should try to do that. And I feel like that's a little bit harder to do oh, yeah. than it is to write a longer song. Because you do a long song, you could just keep doing more and more melodies and just like building on something. But if you can give the song room to breathe and uh, create more space, it makes the dynamics and everything sound a lot bigger. Yeah. It's more interesting to actually listen to. And then you can re-listen to it, hopefully. And... um and and yeah, I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> Billy Joe's uh, songwriting and yeah, his yeah his arrangements are are he just crushed it. So I I took that kind of like from him, and I realized that I started making my songs a little bit more shorter, more concise, and I don't even have like really repeating parts in any of my songs anymore. I have like an intro, I have like a middle, and I have an end. That's the way I really think of it. If you want to break it down and be like, this is a bridge, this is yeah. a verse, chorus, like whatever, then I guess you could do that. But out of all the songs I've been writing lately, they're they're short and sweet, and I want to keep it that way. Yeah. Because I don't think that, I think when you have like a song that's like four minutes, five minutes, it's kind of, that's cool to do live, but if you're trying to become more marketable, especially in this days and age, yeah. everything's like a swipe away. Yeah, for sure. You need to have. You need to be able to like hit your target audience, audience, and hit a broader audience, and have people that are going to listen to your stuff, and it's going to be more. It's going to hit home a lot quicker, and it's going to resonate with them a lot sooner. So, so that's just my whole take on writing music now, and yeah. I got a lot of that from Billy Joe. Yeah, it's a difficult tug of war, and I think that's why I feel he's kind of underappreciated because yeah. of how he does it. And um, I mean, I, I, there are some long songs I really do like. Uh, 
And I think that he kind of has his cake and eat it too because he'll do like Jesus of Suburbia. Or Wake Me Up When September Ends. That's like a five-minute song. Oh, really? So, yeah. so I've never listened to the whole song. <laughs> <laughs> never listened to it. Yeah. I listened to the song, part. just not the whole. I was like, oh, okay, I got what I needed out of this. <laughs> but like it's funny because Jesus of Suburbia reminds me a lot of No Effects did an 18-minute song that was their album called The Decline. And I was listening to an interview with him, and he was just talking about how an orchestra in Australia or somewhere did that they did a cover of the decline all the way through. And it's just so interesting to see when they go for it and like really kind of did, they're not thinking about the pop sound of it, you know, they can really go for it and then they can still come back and write these three minute songs and, you know, be able to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. And one thing that I think is interesting about Jesus is suburbia. There's not, that song has a lot of moving parts to it. Yeah. So when you listen to it, it doesn't feel like nine minutes long. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's kind of like a time, machine yeah the way i see it <laughs> it's kind of funny there's a lot of illusions too and my girlfriend my girlfriend loves green day she loves billy joe and she's taught me a lot about stuff with the songs but she gets mad because every time i listen to jesus suburbia there's a part that sounds like summer 69 and i start singing summer 69 and she's like those aren't the fucking words like <laughs> stop saying that. i don't care if it sounds a lie <laughs> i always do uh, i always do stitches by sean mendez oh yeah and said now that i'm without your kisses I'll be needing stitches, but I change it to I'll be fucking bitches. <laughs> <laughs> she's a big Shawn Mendes fan too, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, you should do that. See what she does. Can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned so you know this whole thing is about we you guys covering stories so far and talking about like different influences that don't seem as obvious. And and I was re- watching an interview with them. It was hard to tell if they were joking or not, but they were talking about how they really love Third Eye Blind. And it makes a lot of sense because um, Third Eye Blind, I kind of was the trend in the late '90s. Kind of, they're considered alt rock and '90s rock. And still, '90s pop rock, yeah. Yeah, but they've just they've been so like I've been seeing so many bands that are are really influenced by them. And that first that self titled album is one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, you guys had talked about potentially doing a Third Eye Blind song for the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Mm. When did y'all get into Third Eye Blind? Yeah, that was like, uh, man, I know. I don't even know how old I was. It was it was a long time ago. My dad would pick me up from school and he'd have like, you know, the radio on 99.5. And back then they were playing more stuff than just like Bush and yeah, you know, all that. Yeah. The kiss yeah. sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I got introduced to that kind of music. Uh, probably it was probably like middle school or something, but he picked me up. We'd be jamming that. And uh, yeah, man, I really loved it, especially like the vocal yeah. style and everything like that. Like it was just so unique. And the, the thing about 90s, like, Music I love is like the drums. Yeah. There's something about the drums that for me, like I can tell, I just instantly think like, oh, that's not, that's a 90s beat. You know what I mean? And I really love that because, uh, and I do that a lot when I play drums, I go straight to that kind of beat because it's just, I don't know, there's something about it. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because uh, Butch Vig, he's the, I don't know what he does in Garbage, but he's in the band Garbage. He recorded Nevermind. Mm-hmm. And that drum sound was kind of new and unique. And of course, like there's a lot of reasons why that album got so big, but you're, I never noticed that, but that is that kind of set the bar for like '90s drums, and mm-hmm. you hear it a lot. Dave yeah. Grohl's, uh, Dave Grohl's my hero. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Dude. Uh, I can't think of anybody who I feel can like. He's like the cool guy in high school who just got along with the jocks, the stoners, the the uh, nerds. Like he was just like a diplomat in the music world, and like you can see him hanging out with like charlie puth or like uh, these pop stars and then he'll go and hang out with like henry rollins and like these punk rock dudes like it's just so cool to see somebody like that who has that kind of you know stature in music yeah and i think a lot of bands can pull from like a lot of influence from the foo fighters 
because they would write really powerful and really catchy songs, but they were still unique in their own sort of way. And I remember I watched like the documentary uh, back and forth. And one thing that they noticed was that they were at like the VMAs, like the MTV Music Awards or whatever. And there was like solo artists, hip hop artists, uh, pop singers, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden he was like, what are we doing here? Like, are we just here because they need a rock band? <laughs> but they were playing, they would perform there and they would crush it and everyone would be going off. So I think that they appeal to a wider audience for sure. And I think they do that just through their songwriting. Yeah. Even though it's a little bit more abrasive than like obviously than some of the people that are really big now. I think it just... I think they just were able to like kind of like fill like a gap really well. And that gap is like where everyone kind of turns to like, I want to listen to rock music. Well, Foo Fighters is always going to be yeah there and they're always going to kind of like fill that need for sure. And they're really big too. So everyone, everyone knows the Foo Fighters. I don't, but like if I mention the story so far or even like Blink-182 nowadays, a lot of people, they're like, who's that? Oh yeah. It's just kind of like, <laughs> like, they're like one of the biggest bands ever. <laughs> Is or or even like the Rolling Stones. I asked my I asked uh, my girlfriend last night. We were like out at a bar, and I was like, "Hey, who is this?" Because that's one thing I like to do to people. And it'll be a really big artist, like Michael Jackson, even. And they can't even tell, which is really sad. <laughs> a day and age we live in. But you go on TikTok, and they know all the famous TikTokers. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's interesting. I think that I think the how much concentration like there, we have the world in our palm with our phones you know and like there's so much stuff out there it's hard to really concentrate on anything specific and i grew up on like i would watch 120 minutes on mtv2 i'd watch like vh1 pop-up video and i don't know if this makes any sense to you guys i don't know how much younger you guys are than me but i, I got obsessed and there was vjs who i love like matt pinfield was a guy i learned so much from and there's vjs who i would watch specifically because i was going to learn something about and because i concentrated so much on music you don't have to do that anymore. You can just Google. Mm -hmm. I like this song. What song is this? Hold up your you oh, know, yeah, Shazam. Shazam. Yeah. One one thing that I do want to mention about Third Eye Blind. First time I heard the song Semi Charm Life, uh, I was watching a movie and I shouldn't have been watching it because I was like a little kid. <laughs> but it was Wild Things <laughs> and it had Denise Richards in it. And I was like, I was like, yeah, Denise Richards is super hot. And I remember hearing that song in the movie, and it was real catchy and uplifting and whatnot. And then I had a music teacher who actually kind of looks like you, and he came <laughs> to the house, and he came to the house one day, and he was like, he's like, oh, I was listening to this one song on the radio, and uh, he played it for me, and it was that song, and I was like, oh, cool. And I was like, and so I started singing the song, like, around the house and whatnot, and I didn't know what any of the lyrics meant. <laughs> and then my mom was like, she, like, started yelling at me, I didn't even get it. <laughs> I was like, am I that bad of a singer? <laughs> but then you find out the song is about like crystal meth yeah. and a lot of bad stuff. So We've talked about that a few times. That's my favorite like misleading song because it sounds like a song that like you do yoga or like aerobics to or like <laughs> shopping and then it's like he's talking about doing crystal meth. <laughs> <laughs> Making my way downtown. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what it sounds like, you know, and. Um, I, I just I I hear Stephen Jenkins is a jerk. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard lots of stories. But he's he's narcissistic. Yeah. yeah, and he's and and there's like a lot of stuff you hear about him like being kind of like a womanizer, which I get, 
because at the time his band was really big. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like he still thinks his band's like still like really huge. <laughs> And they kind of they faded after that one record. Yeah, they crushed it, and then you know they had a follow up that didn't do as well. And then they kind of, I don't want to say went nowhere, but yeah, they fell off the radar for sure. There's a, a local band that toured with him, and I was talking to one of the the guys, and he was saying that he they did like a few shows with them, and at the end of it, like they didn't really hang out much. And at the end, he they hung he hung out with them, and he like asked him like. uh I disappointed you, right? Like he was like he was very self aware to the point where like he I guess he knows he's an asshole and he can't help it or he just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, but he was that's like where narcissism comes it, from. Uh, yeah. If if you want to know if someone's like narcissistic, you can ask them and they'll probably be pretty proud <laughs> to tell you like yeah. And they, it's kind of weird. Yeah, and I had another friend who I played a show with them and said that like they were all just kind of full of themselves. This was like ten years ago, so it's ten years after they were like super popular. Um, it's funny cause a lot of those nineties bands, like Mark McGrath was in Sugar Ray and he's very self-aware. Like he'll be self-deprecating all the time. And I feel like most of the guys are like that. It's just they're outliers with like third eye blind. But then you see third eye blind is so influential to bands like story so far and like other bands coming up now. It, it's almost like, okay, like that's probably why. Cause they it's just, cause they're the, that's the music that they grew up on. Yeah. And that's kind of, and I think like nostalgia is like a very powerful feeling. And uh, as you get older and you look back on certain times, like if I could go back to being in high school, I know that's like the most cliche thing. I totally would. Yeah. Because I didn't realize how good I had it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and uh, I thought I was like, oh, this sucks. I'm like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But now that, I, you know, I moved out right after high school and it's a tough, it's a tough world. Yeah. <laughs> Life's going to throw you some mad cur- uh, curveballs and you're not going to know exactly how to do things now. But now it's cool because then me and my family, like, we're a lot closer and tighter. It probably helps that we're not around each other all the time. Yeah. But there's definitely, like, more respect and appreciation going around, which wasn't there growing up. So Everyone, there's a lot of rock critics who say, like, your favorite music is the music you loved when you were in high school. And it has a lot to do with the experiences you had in high school. I mean... There's songs that remind me of friends, songs that remind me of girls I dated, songs that remind me of like certain things that we did in high school. And oh, yeah. like, I don't, I mean, I have some experiences like that, especially with college. College was kind of an extension, but it wasn't the same. No. It's just, uh, you know, it, it's it's hard to kind of put yourself in that same same frame, uh, frame of mind, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and when I go out to like parties and whatnot now, the music that's in the background, I mean, a lot of people they don't really listen to it. So you're listening to music in college and whatnot, but you're not really Yeah. You're not indulging in it as much because you're indulging in other things. When we're younger, music's all we have really. That's what, you know, stimulating our brain. That's what's giving like yeah. dopamine. And so when we're younger, that's kinda we were able to indulge more in it. So I think that's why people probably remember more of like their high school music than you know their college yeah. years or like after college or personify them yeah definitely my girlfriend asked me because obviously i've got like a music podcast i talk about music all the time and annoy her but she was she asked me and it was like a, a straightforward question she wasn't even trying to like be funny she was like if music didn't exist do you think you would be interesting and i was like shit i don't know because <laughs> even like the movies i like are driven by the music i like you know and oh, really yeah like one movie that i think is really cool as a sick soundtrack is uh 
Less than zero. Oh yeah, with the uh, Bill Pullman. Oh no, uh, the eighties. Uh, it was eighties. Yeah. Uh, what's his face wrote that? The guy that wrote. He he did a lot of big movies apparently. Yeah, uh, he wrote Rules of Attraction and uh, he wrote American Psycho. I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah. Brett Brett Easton Ellis or something like that. That's right. James Spader's in that. No. In Less Than Zero? Yeah, it's uh, Robert Downey Jr. And James Spader's the uh, yeah. bully guy in there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I haven't yeah. seen that movie in a long time. Yeah, that movie's pretty dark. That movie's pretty interesting. What are, what are some of your favorite songs? Do you remember some of the songs from there that you liked? I, I didn't really hear any songs in the movie, but I was in orchestra oh, yeah? and symphony, and I was really good. I was like in varsity pretty much all four years. Like, And as a freshman, you came and be on varsity. But I played the upright bass, and... I did like a lot of symphony stuff when I was a senior. I was playing with UTSA, so that just like so my chops were really good. Yeah, and my you know my music theory and everything kind of grew a lot faster. So when I heard it, I thought that you know even though he's he's not really recording an orchestra, but just like the sweeping effects and how the music kind of like really moves can move you or like yeah. set the scene. I thought that that was really powerful. Even like the Fast and the Furious, yeah. There's there's like that atmospheric kind of like soundscapes, and I thought that that was really cool. What do you think of like Johnny Greenwald and like uh, uh yeah, yeah, and Trent Reznor doing scores and the Reznor scores are like it's fun because like you hear it like oh that's that's fucking Trent Reznor and that yeah. bass line is yeah. Trent Reznor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think that it's very. I think that that's like the coolest thing ever. And that the fact that they come from something that you don't have to know a lot of music about to yeah. make, and then they're able to just like do things that I'll never be able to do, just because I mean, I know how to do it, but I can't. There's so many different things that you don't realize that you don't really even think about when you're doing a score, where even if it's just an orchestra, you got a uh, violin, viola, cello, and bass. There's certain things that you can and can't do. You have like rule, like rules and boundaries you can't interfere with. Cause if you do, it goes south real quick. Yeah. So, but I think that's really cool. I think that's really impressive. That shows, that goes to show their musicianship. Yeah. Just, I always talk about, I've got friends who are guitarists and I've got friends who play guitar who are musicians. Yeah. And I'm a guitarist. I know music. I can read it, but I'm not, I can't do that kind of stuff. So it's always cool to see musicians and, really see them operate and there's nothing wrong with just being a guitarist like it's no, that's no, no. that's impressive as of what it is but when you see musicians it's it's kind of like uh like it's kind of like getting high for the first time you know you just mm-hmm. you see it you're just like oh wow like all i'm seeing these colors i've never seen before you know yeah exactly you're able to pull you're it's like you're almost you're able to pull things out of thin air yeah and you're able to call it for like what it is like when we were listening back to like some of the takes earlier initially we did two takes of Blur the Line. The guy, he was calling uh, the first track is going to be the one. And I said, no, it's not. And I was like, it's going to be the second one. And I kind of broke him down and explained why in certain parts. And then he was like, oh, yep, it's the second one. And I think that that kind of goes to show kind of like where being a musician definitely comes in handy. And a lot of person like from like the naked ear who doesn't really listen or like critique themselves that hard they probably wouldn't really notice it but i just feel like it's more pristine when you're tighter when you're able to play better in time when the shifts and everything yeah. is smoother when the vocals are better his second take on the vocals were like really really good and i was like and i was impressed throughout it i listened to it straight through i didn't hear not one bad note so i was so that's why i was like the second one needs to be the one for sure yeah that's cool 
Um, so, uh, do you guys have any kind of bringing it back down to the story so far? Do you have any final thoughts about the song or any anything else? Um, love it, man. Yeah, I love it. It's just super nostalgic. Um, same thing. The the album before that, uh, under soil and dirt. Um, I would jam that all the like going to high school and stuff like that, like front to back. You know what I mean? And that got me kind of ready for their next release. And I kind of slept on the what you don't see for a while. But uh, when I was on tour, uh, like I said, someone had showed me it and I was like, whoa, that's super cool. Like, you know, I want to do something like that. I, I take a lot of influence from that band and try to put it into my own music. You know, yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, hey, thank you guys for coming on. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. We're uh, coming up next. We've got Sage Motel covering stories so far. Things I can't change. This twitch in my fingers Love, hate, and lingers Said this direct But the point must have missed her Gave up in lost cause Of timing and pressure I hate this, is there no other way?